Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, Lord, and we just thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for a wonderful time that we can come together, Lord, in the way that we can worship and praise you, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Lord. And we give you that in our time and our talents and gifts and abilities, Lord, and we give in our uh, resources as well. Lord, we thank you for the way that you bless us. We thank you for the way that you use us to bless others. And so, Lord, we honor you in all that we are and all that we have and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.
You know, if you was out driving your car, truck, and you headed up toward North Alabama, if you was lucky and you got right there to the Tennessee line and see a dirt road off the left, Jackson Farm Road. If you was to take that turn on Jackson Farm Road, you'd see a few houses, you'd see a dead inside. Get down there a little ways and you see a little old church there. It's called Jackson Farm Road uh, Baptist Church. Get to the end of the road, you run into Jackson Farm. So Mr. Jackson uh, was raised up on the farm, and him and Miss Jackson got married. They built a little house there, had everything they wanted, you know, everything that most people wanted. They had land, the house, cattle, you know, but the one thing they never was able to have was any children. We've been talking about women in the Bible this week, so this reminds me of that. So, <clears throat> but they didn't have any children. But they did have a little pig named Betty, a little cat named Baby Kitty. And they loved them just like me and Jan do our dogs, you know. They're just part of the family. So, one Palm Sunday, and those that you don't know, Palm Sunday is Sunday before Easter. Uh, one Palm Sunday, they walked down their little dirt driveway to church, like they always did. And uh, they got to church, and after church, the ladies were back there talking about their Easter dresses and their bonnets, and and uh, Miss Johnson was listening to them. Then they got to talking about the, the little suits they had bought their children, their kids, the little dresses, and, and the new shoes. And so that evening, they was at the table, Mr. Jackson, he said, uh, said, Ma, what's wrong with you? He said, well, you know, we ain't got no children. He said, but I was thinking <clears throat> that uh, I'd fix an outfit for Betty the Pig and, and Baby Kitty so they can go to church with us Sunday and have their Easter outfit. So I said, well, that sounds good. <clears throat> he said, the kids will love it. So anyhow, Miss Jackson worked all week on the clothes for the pig and the cat. And come uh, Saturday night, she scrubbed the pig down real good and cleaned the cat up, put a little perfume on Betty. And so, so they all went to bed. And that night it came a storm, rain everywhere. But then they wake up Sunday morning, <coughs> and uh, sunshine, it's still wet outside. But uh, she got, got Betty the pig ready to go to church, got her little bonnet on. Got the cat ready to go to church, baby kitty. Mr. Jackson opened the front door, and the first thing happened, old baby kitty went down there in a big mud puddle, <laughs> stuck his paw in there, and shook it all. Didn't want to get dirty. Right behind that kitty come old Betty the pig. She watered around that mud puddle, just splishing and splashing. And uh, so it just broke Miss Jackson's heart. <coughs> but you know, uh, you know, when Jesus cleans us up, he cleans us up inside and out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you keep hanging with them same folks and going down that same road you did before you were saved, you'll end up back in mud. The important thing to remember is live the life of a Christian every day. Amen. Amen. And we are so blessed. We are so blessed. <clears throat> Here 
We've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice telling the same old lies. Just can't fill those holes up inside. There's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. You feel lost. He's a way maker. You need freedom and saving. He's a prison shaking savior. You got chains. He's a chain breaker. church, ain't it? Uh, it really is. That's a blessing to me. Yeah. I don't know about that. Man. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else that's, uh, that's, that's good, too, is that uh, when she started, Amanda started this, she said, I don't know what we're going to do. I can't, 
can't teach these kids. I don't know how. I've never I've done clerk stuff. I've done secretary work. I've done uh, administrative. My gifts are in administration and stuff like that in the church. I've never uh, been called to preach and, or teach uh, children and, uh, never, or adults, either one. And the Lord saw fit uh, that she just hadn't seen it yet. She hadn't seen it yet. So not only is it good for me to see uh, these kids running to see something they haven't seen yet, it uh, uh, in like ways they're ministering as much to her as she's ministering to them because every Sunday she finds out through them, uh, just like then, hey, we're going back there again just a minute, that she finds out through them that she can do things that the Lord's called her to do. Lord and broke that chain about for her. He, he did, he did. We all have those breakthroughs in a moment. I, I had one today too. You know, Paul, we're going to talk about Philippians. Paul wrote this letter in chains. He wrote this letter in chains. But the letter was, the letter didn't have him bound. He was bound in Christ. The letter was chained to him. He wasn't chained to the letter. He said, if you're chained to the letter, that brings death. The law brings death. I'm chained to life. And I, and I, I prayed that in my lesson. I, I will never stop with the notes, but I pray that I never chain to them. I pray that they're chained to me, that this is something that I carry, but it don't carry me. I don't have to have this to preach the gospel. I don't have to have this to have a revelation and an inspiration and a breakthrough in Christ. I don't have to have, I have to have this. I have to have this time. I have to have this study. Uh, but in all circumstances, in all situations, I'm with him. Yeah. I'm with him. I'm, I'm like Paul. We are. We're like Paul. We're chained with him no matter what comes our way. And these things follow us, signs and wonders. These things follow us. So I have a breakthrough this morning myself. Uh, that I don't have, I, I, though I'm, these are my Linus's blanket, as you said yesterday, this is my crutch. He's my hope. He's my cross. Yeah. He's my cross. He's my help. He's my hope. He's my hope. Gotta be. Gotta be. Amen. Gotta be. Gotta be. We'll find ourselves in Philippians chapter 1 today. Philippians chapter 1 today. And also, uh, the Lord reminded me too, you know, that it's not about an imitation and a duplication uh, week to week. It's about inspiration and a revelation of what the Lord wants to do in our life. So, however, the service uh, turns out, it's on Him. It's in his hands. It's in his hands. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, as we turn to the word of God, Lord, we turn to you. Uh, we look to you, the author, finisher of our faith. We look to you, the divine revelation of the word of God, the word made flesh dwelling among us, uh, that we can dwell among you, that uh, you came here so that where you are, we can go. Uh, we thank you that you so loved us that you sent your son to die on a cross, uh, uh, take on our place, taking our punishment, taking a borrowed tomb, rising again, victorious and uh, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. There is no sting. There is no hurt in Christ Jesus and sits at the throne. And Lord, I pray that you sit at the throne of our life, just as you sit at the throne of this world, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we can live that Christian life every day. And Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, and I, just like I know you do, uh, that when we do fail, fall short, or, or, or don't feel like we've accomplished much, you come beside us and say, listen, you did just what I wanted you to do. You didn't catch me by surprise. It wasn't unexpected. It wasn't. And I forgive you. I love you. And I'm proud of you.
And so, Lord, we come to you today, Lord, and I pray that you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. For like we see in the Sunday school uh, class, healing couldn't change them. Uh, the help couldn't change them. The meal couldn't change them. It was only a heart uh, that come in worship and reverence uh, that was truly changed in that situation. So I pray that you change our hearts, uh, Lord, that we live no more for ourselves, but we live uh, solely for you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're talking about uh, in Philippians uh, 3, we're going to talk about the joy and connection that we have, the joy and the connections that we have. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through let's say 5. Uh, Paul and Timotheus, uh, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until this day. From the first day until this day. Joy in the connections, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is what what God has joined together. No man, let no man pull apart. What God has connected, what God has brought together, let no man pull it apart. Paul would say again in another letter, I'm persuaded that God's connections can't be separated by anyone or anything else. That what God has truly put together, that nothing, no one or anyone or anything can separate them except him. Except him. He's the only one that can do that. Paul's in a Roman cell. Uh, Perhaps he's, he's in bonds, he's either chained to a wall, or he's chained to someone, or perhaps at times he's chained to both. Uh, but Paul would say, you know what, I'm not chained to the wall, and I'm not chained to someone, I'm chained to Christ. I'm bound, my connection is in Him, I'm chained in Him, I'm connected to Him, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked to and linked to Him, the person of Jesus Christ. And he's awaiting a trial, this is uh, in about 64 uh AD and he's awaiting trial uh, but his desires to the Philippians he says I desire to when I, I'll send Epaphroditus back to you but my desire really truly is to come and see you uh, as I make my rounds and my expectation is uh, that it's more needful he would say in this epistle for me to stay uh, here uh, now I, I long to go and be with Christ uh, but it's more needful for me at this time to stay here. So my desire is I'm going to go and before the Roman council, before Caesar, and I'm going to spread the gospel. And I'm going to, uh, uh, but my desire is that I'm coming shortly to see you as well, and I, I'll I'll do those things. Uh, so he desires to to go home, but he also knows that it's more needful for him to uh, be here with them. So he says that if if Lord tarries or Lord's will is for me to to see you, I'll see you. And if he wills for me to see him, I'll see him. So either way, it's a good deal. Uh, I'll either see you or I'll see him. Either way. Uh, but either way, however the Lord sees this to pan out, the letter will reach you. This letter will make it to Philippi. It will do what it's called to do. The words will go forth. It will bring forth fruit. It will do what I've written it to do. So uh, Luke, uh, Luke's with him. There's four uh, in that company. It's Paul. Uh, Timothy's, uh, no, well, it's, uh, Paul's writing the letter. Uh, Luke's writing the letter. Paul's uh, there, and Epaphroditus is uh, to deliver the letter. Um, 
and along with uh, Timothy was delivering some letters as well at that time and Onesimus would uh, be in there with him and we talked about this in, in Ephesians and he would he would deliver a letter as well when he got free uh, but Paul says uh, you know, uh, I'm going to send this letter of, of Philippians with Epaphroditus when he comes. I know you sent him to me to minister to me, but he's, he's, he's sick and under death because of the ministry. He's sold out to the ministry. He's doing the will of God, the work of God, and the ways of God, and, and he's got a heart and a longing for God. And you know what? I thank you for sending him to minister to me, but I'm going to send him back to tell the view of my, tell him of you of my estate and to, to give this letter to you. And, and so Paul begins to write the letter to the Philippian church. And uh, Paul begins to speak, and you can know, uh, I'm sure that that everybody in the cell or in the or inside or outside kind of closed in and kind of gathered in close just to hear this wonderful man of God stand up and speak. There's or orator and oracles and and whatever he was going to say, they began to listen, and they're waiting on Paul to speak, and they're waiting on a word from the Lord. They're waiting on some encouragement in this terrible situation. They're waiting on some help in this hard times. They're waiting on an explanation of why they're going through the things they're going through. How will they uh, go through these things? How will they come out victorious? How do we do this in the scriptures? How do we do this in the will of God? How do we get where God wants us to be? How do we do all these things? I need a fresh word. I need some hope and some help. I need some prayer. I need some encouragement. I need some liberation. I need some freedom. I need all of these things. And Paul's standing up to write to the Philippians and the congregation uh, is, if you want to say it, or the convicts are looking much like the congregations do today. They're looking for the pastor to give them that. They're looking for uh, the man of God to stand up and give that help and encouragement and that wisdom and that insight and that revelation uh, uh, to that. And so Paul stands up and he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are Philippi. And, I, and, and they're sitting at the edge of their seats and here, here it comes. Paul and Timothy to all the saints. And he says, well, now that sounds a little different. You know, that sounds, that's not Paul's usual. Now, he's written four letters in here. He's writing, he's written to the Ephesians. He's writing to the Colossians. He's writing to the Philippians and he'll write to Philemon. And he says, uh, you know, and in in, well, just for instance, uh, Ephesians, he says, I'm Paul, an apostle by the will of God. I'm Paul, an apostle by the will of God. Such confidence, such boldness, such sternness, such apostleship. He's he's pushing his muscle. He's strutting his stuff. He's really telling these people what, who, and where, he, what he's done, and who he is, and what by what authority, as we learned in Sunday school this morning, by what authority he does these things. I'm Paul, the apostle, will by the will of God. Colossians the same way. Paul, the apostle, by the will of God. Like it or not. It pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb and called me unto this glorious gospel to preach this gospel unto the Gentile. And as he sent Peter to the Jew, he sent me to the Gentile. It pleased him and it's by the will of God, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you accept it or not, I can walk and worthy of the calling by which God has called me because I know who he's called me to be. I know the role that he's called me and placed me in. I know the place that he's called me in. I'm not chained to this wall. This wall's chained to me. I'm not chained to this letter. This letter's chained to me. I'm not chained to these circumstances. These circumstances are chained with me. I don't have to deal with these. They've got to deal with me. Now, how am I going to deal with them? I'm Paul, the apostle, by the will of God. But it ain't so with the Philippian uh, epistle. He says, this is Paul and Timothy. We're servants of Jesus Christ, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, wait a minute. Why is there such difference? Why is there a difference? Well, I'll tell you the difference is Paul, he loved the Ephesian church, had a lot of time spent with the Ephesian church, had a lot of time in that church. 
And and uh, but I'm gonna tell you this: so a little bit of difference in the Philippian church, but by the way it was planted, by the way it was started, he he might have been called the planter of that church. But if you look back in Acts, Lydia was already there doing the work of the ministry. Lydia's home, Lydia's home was already established there. She he stayed in her house. And so there's a little bit of a difference in the way uh, that he ministers to the Philippian church and, and because of the, uh, the background and the history that they have together, the fellowship that they have together, the connection uh, that they have together. And so they were, they were, and so Paul has a, a little bit, excuse me, a little bit of a different way of approaching this because of the different connection that he has with them. You know, it's almost like this. If, if, uh, if I'm talking to you and we need to get a letter from a church, I'll say, oh, now we're going to, uh, they've come to join the church. Uh, they come by statement or letter. I'm going to get joy to, to write friendship and tell them to send that letter over here. Y'all good with that? Is that okay with y'all? Yeah. Amen. If I call friendship and say, hey, so-and-so, uh, uh, needs a, a letter, uh, and, uh, I'm going to get, uh, I, so I need you to talk to Joy about it. Well, they say, who's Joy? I say, well, Joy is our church clerk. She's our church secretary. She handles all those things. Well, see, there's a difference. They don't have a clue who Joy is. But because I know who Joy is, I don't have to explain to you who she is. Because I know who Jean is, I don't have to explain to you that Jean is our fellowship director. You know that. You know that when we have fellowships, that there's somebody behind that that's doing that, and she does a great job. And so so we have the, we have those people. You don't have to put titles on people when you know them. Right. When you know them. And, and they know Paul. They know Paul very, very well. And Paul knows them very, very well. So he don't have to stand up and say, hey, look, I'm Paul the Apostle by the will of God to you Philippian, uh, uh, to the Philippian church. Because in this instance, in this case, he's not having to defend who he is. He's not having to tell them who he is. He's not having to remind them who he is because they have a special bond, a special uh, connection. And there's a joy in being connected with somebody when I don't have to prove who we are to one another. We can say, you know what, I go to Pine Forest and that's enough. Because if you're a part of Pine Forest, you know that Pine Forest is doing what it's supposed to do. You trust the people in the congregation and you can trust them to come alongside and help. And then when it gets down even more, uh, more familiar or, or more cl or closer than that, I can actually say that, okay, so now I trust Joy with that, or I trust Chris with that, or I trust Cody with that, or I trust Otis with that, and it gets even closer to that, and I'm not worried about it. And for instance, when we was picking up some stuff for the fellowship game thing last night, I said, do you think I need to call Gene and see if there's enough bows? And I said, no. I Gene is not sitting at the house saying, we don't have any bowls, but I'm not going to do anything about it. She's not doing that. I don't have to. I can take that thought and cast it out of my head from now on. I don't have to worry about that. Paul don't have to worry about what they're thinking about him at Philippi. He don't have to worry if they're sitting around saying, well, I don't know about this gospel of Paul's. He's not worried about that at all. He may be worried about it in Ephesus or where Diana's the goddess. He may be worried about it in Colossians. He may even be, but he's not really worried about it in Philemon either. If you'll look at that, it's a more personal note. But he's not worried about that in, in Philippians. In Philippi, he's not worried about that. Because their connection is in the gospel. <laughs> their connection's in the gospel. That's where it's at. Paul says, you know what? And he goes on in uh, verse 2. Grace be unto you in peace. We're going to get into this and break it down a little bit better. Uh, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God upon every remembrance of you. 
always in every prayer for mine of mine for you and making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And Paul says within verse 5 there, he says, for your fellowship in the gospel. And that's what we're going to really touch on this week, in the gospel. In the gospel. We're going to touch on a few things over the next three weeks. We're going to touch, touch on in the gospel, uh, in Christ, and in you. We're going to touch on those things. So today we're going to talk about being in the gospel. Paul says, you know what? When I think about you, I think about the gospel. When I think about the gospel, I think about you. When I think about you, I thank God for how you touched my life, how you've ministered to me, how you've helped me. And when I think about him, I think about you and how, and it's just full circle uh, that I, ain't it good to know, ain't it a blessing to know, ain't it good to be said of you that when I think about the Lord, I think about you. Amen. Ain't that just amazing uh, that, that I know people in my life uh, that when I think about them, I think about bad things. When I think about them, I think about hurt things. When I think about them, I think about smart alecky things. When I think about them, I think about bad things. And then I have a family in Christ that when I think about you, I think about blessing. When I think about you, I think of how I'm encouraged. When I think about you, I think about how I'm loved. When I think about you, I think about how I love you and how my heart touches and how you've touched me. And I, when I think about and Paul says, when I, I can't help but to think about you. And he says, so much so that when I pray, look, look at, I like that, making all uh, for, for always and every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy. And when I pray, I'm not, uh, it, it's, it's amazing uh, that I pray for you. I pray for everything that's going on in your life. I pray the work, the Lord work and will those things out and give you the strength and the grace and the peace to go through those things. But you know what? When I make requests for you, I'm praising God for you because you're already going through those things and you're coming out victorious. You're already doing these things. And so whether you know it or not, the, the difference between the pulpit and the pew is about 10 or 12 foot right here. And because I'm going through some things and y'all are looking at me, I'm looking at you and able to go through some things because I see what you've been through. I see where you've been. I've seen you take that step out and into. I've seen you overcome these things. And because you can do these things, I can make requests of you and say, Lord, you did it for them. Can't you do it for me? They've touched me this way. They've helped me this way. They've loved me this way. And it's all because of your thoughts towards me. Your love and concern towards one another is his thoughts towards you. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good to give you an expected end. When your family loves on you, it's because the Lord's thinking about you. It's not in us. It's not in us to love outside of our family and our realm. Until you have fellowship in the gospel. Until you have fellowship in him. There's one thing that Paul says connects us. And the joy of that connection is the fellowship that we have in him. I'm going to tell you what. I have some church members in my life that are closer to me than my family. Don't you? Yeah. Amen. And he says, I rejoice in that, that I can be in a Roman jail and know that my family's out here praying for me. I can be coming to Philippi and know that the people in the Roman jails and they're praying for me. Connections. Joy in that connection. He finds joy in those, in those connections in the gospel. And he's writing to the Philippians in the gospel and how they come together. And you can see some connections here. Paul and Timothy, that's a connection. Paul and Timothy is a connection. Jesus Christ, servants of the Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a connection there. There's a connection there. Verse 2, grace and peace. There's a connection there. God the Father and God the Son. There's a connection. 
there. And Paul's making these connections. Paul's making these connections. And he says, you know what? I thank God for the way that he's touched my life through you. But the greatest thing that God does is touches your life through him. He says, I thank God upon the impact that you had on my life, but it's the main impact that God had on my life that connects us. You might not have fell down on the road to Damascus and got blinded, but I did, Paul says. I did. I, I fell off the horse. Nobody heard the voice but me. They heard, they thought it was thunderings. I thought it was the Lord. What would you, what is it? Who are you, Lord? Yeah. And they don't know what I'm saying. He's talking gibberish. He's talking mad. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. And whom y'all persecute, whom thou persecute. He said, I didn't come to them, Paul. I came to you. He don't come to us. He comes to me and our salvation. We're going to talk about the fellowship of the gospel. We're talking about, I'm talking about as a whole body physically joined together. I'm talking about on a personal level. You've got something priceless. You've got him that would wade through this congregation and pick you out and blind you, open your eyes, tell you, mission you, purpose you, feel you, and accomplish it in you. That's something that's priceless to each and every one of us. That's the fellowship in the gospel. The gospel is not general, it's personal. The gospel came to everybody. The call of grace comes to you. Will you trust? Will you believe? Will you accept me? Oh Lord, will you, will you accept me? Will you allow me to come in and be a child of God and be saved by you? And we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus the Lord, He rose from the dead, and we shall be saved. And it's very, very personal, and it's very, very priceless to each and every one of us. God, the impact that He's had on our life. And the farther we get away from that Damascus Road experience, I'm afraid sometimes the less impact it has on our life. I've been saved 40 years. Well, you begin to... And then you got the other ones, though, that their only testimony is 40 years ago. And it's never growing. It's never growing. Well, what are you doing? Well, the Lord saved me when I was uh, 28. Now, how old are you now? I'm 45. Well, what are you doing now? I'm, I love the Lord. He saved me. Got me out of here. Brought me into this place. And, and uh, we're doing good. Now, what are you doing? How are you serving Him? What's He done in your life? Well, He saved me. Yeah, but that was, that was 16 years ago. What's He doing today? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God that saved. He's not the only. He's not your God when you're 28. On and that's it. He wants to be your God at 28, at 45, and at 95. He said, "How can the God of the living be the God of the dead?" Anyway, that's uh, anyway. So the impact that God had on Paul's life, for Paul to say, "I've had all these things, done all these things. I count them all but done." He has given me another chance. He's given me another perspective. He's given me another calling. He's given me another connection. Another connection. Another connection. And I remember Ananias coming. Who helped you? Who come alongside of you when you got saved? Well, I know a bunch of them that come alongside of you like Peter and them did. Paul ain't coming in here. I know Paul. Ananias almost fell victim to that kind of mindset. He destroys the church. Waste the church. I don't want to go down there, Lord. And I said, I'll go. But go, but, I, but nonetheless, I'll go anyway. For Paul praying. He prays. But a lot of the mindset is, when you first give your life to Christ, and everybody that knows you, thinks it ain't right. You ain't serious. It's another attempt, and, and failed attempt, uh, to get something for nothing. 
to get something from your family, get something from your job, get something from and however it, it works that way. But I pray and I tell you, sometimes the connection may it works. Sometimes that connection you plug into is alive. Sometimes there's some electricity in there. The power's still on. Sometimes the power's still on. And he said, I remember. I remember those in my life that helped me, those who impacted. He said, I remember Ananias coming. He said, I remember sitting down praying. And for the first time, I could see inwardly. And I could not see outwardly. All my life I'd seen outwardly. And never could see inwardly. But Paul says, for the first time, with scales on my eyes, for three days I sat and prayed. And I could see something going on on the inside of me that was far greater than something that I could see on the outside of me. And it changed his life. Ananias comes in, the scales are going off. And then who did he have to come alongside of and help? I'll never forget Barnabas. As he comes alongside and says, you know what, I know what you're saying about Paul, but I'm telling you he's changed. I'm telling you he ain't the same Paul, Saul anymore. It's safe to say, he stood up and preached. We had to tone him down because he really was, he was, he was preaching, but he needs to be seasoned a little more. Uh, but Barnabas, he said, I'll never, really remember, I'll never really forget the connection that me and Barnabas had. And then he goes on in Acts chapter 16. He says, man, we was going around here uh, healing the blind, healing the lame, working this thing out, people getting saved, people coming to the Lord. We were walking in some things we ain't never walked in before. People were seeing some things we ain't never seen. Life was great. Life was good. Everything was going on. And I remember I said, I said Barnabas, he said, yeah. He said, let's, well, let's, go back to, let's go back to these churches and do it again. Let's do it again. And that's what the Lord reminded me this morning. Well, we can't duplicate those things. We don't want to imitate those things. We want to walk in a freshness and a newness and a daily walk with the Lord. Every day, new. Every morning, His mercies made new. He wants to make a, do a new thing in us. That's what He wants. He don't want us to go back and fit. I go and... What are you going to do with, when the Lord leaves you? I'm going fishing because that's all I know. He wants you to follow after Him in a newness of life. Every day, a new step. And I'm going to tell you what, this is what He's looking for. I'm going to step out here today, and if I fall, He'll catch me. And if He don't, there's something to land on. It's one of the two. One of the two. And so Paul says, I remember Barnabas saying, you know what? And, and it got a little bit of contention between us because of John Mark. And he said, and I didn't understand. I didn't understand why he, he allowed these people to come into my life. And then he allowed people to leave my life. I don't understand how that happened. I don't understand it then. But I begin to understand it now. Paul would say, I, I, can, start to see, I can start to see it unfold. Fifteen years later, so him and Silas hook up. Him and Silas hook up, and you know what happens? Now this is and and, and they want to go to Asia, and it says that a man in a vision appeared to him and said, "Come to Macedonia, come to Philippi, and help us. Come to Macedonia and help us." Called the Macedonian call it what they title it. And you know what? I'm not sure Paul ever met the man. It never tells me that Paul went and met the man and helped that family. never says that. He says that he went and he met Lydia. Purple, it was a seller of purple. Probably named after, probably really the Lydian lady. Probably wasn't even her name. And he met her. And you know what? Paul was okay with it. Paul was okay that he didn't meet the man who had a vision that said, come help us. Because you know what? It's not always my place 
to help. Sometimes it's my place to to. Maybe maybe he's called you to plow it to turn the ground over in February so that you can plant it in June. Yeah. Maybe that's my part. Maybe that's your part. Maybe that's what God wants us to do. Maybe but maybe Paul can plant and, and Silas can water and he can just let God give the increase. Yeah. Perhaps that's what he's called you to do. Perhaps he's not looking for a man. He's looking for a man. Maybe he's not touring Philippi. He's touring that city. Perhaps that's what we're doing. Looking for a city, not Philippi, whose maker and, and builder is God. We're looking to change lives, not because some man called me to help, but because the man's called me to help. And that's the fellowship we have in the gospel. That's the fellowship we have in the gospel. Because I'm going to tell you something. And Paul says, I don't want to go. It's go it's, man, this thing's working good. This thing's going good. I mean, we're seeing lives being changed by the dozens. He says, I, I know that. But I need you to go to Philippi. I need you to go. And Barnabas goes his own way. And I'm going to tell you something about that. He sees a couple of things in that. Barnabas is an encourager. It says that Barnabas went back behind Paul and confirmed the churches. Paul went ahead and planted the church. You need stern church planters. You do. You don't need encouraging church planters. Because an encouraging church planters will get you a congregation and some bylaws and, and some uh, uh, amendments and all these things to a bylaws and constitution that will get you all kind of mess in your church. Oh, come on, it don't matter how you live, what you do, what you say, how you act, who you marry, or what your preference is, and what your gender is. We encourage all to come in and be a part. But not Paul. Paul says, oh, you're dating your stepmom, you, oh, you got to get out of here. You can't have we have enough of that. Seen Corinthians in case you think I was just making a joke. <laughs> Paul's stern enough to say, listen, we can't have that here. He does it at the end of this book right here. Amen. Hey, look, I love you. I love you. Now you tell those two ladies to get it together. There's two ladies in there that's getting it together. And you know what? They're, we're all in the book of life. We're all written in the book of life so we don't cast them out. You know, we, we hold them accountable. Yeah. Fellowship in the gospel. But now you can't come in here and expect me to marry two men and two women. Sure, I can't do that. We're not, we, don't, we don't believe that way. We have a fellowship in the gospel. It ain't going to happen. And God forbid. Amen. God forbid. So Paul says, I, I appreciate those who he placed in my life. I do. And I don't understand how Barnabas and me can separate one thing. You can't. You need the encourager coming behind him. You need him going before planting the churches because they got to be planted right. That's the problem today. we got some churches uh, that ain't planted on that on his foundation. They're planted on some other man's foundation. And then he's going to come behind them and he's going to encourage that. And he needs that. And you know what else I realized in all this? When they get to Philippi, they get beaten. Is that not correct? They get beaten and imprisoned. And it says we found out that him and Silas were Roman citizens. So we, uh, please, please go. Don't say nothing. Because they could be in trouble for that. Yeah. For being a Roman citizen. Well, I ain't sure Barnabas was a Roman citizen. So he probably would have got killed right there. He probably would have, he probably would have, you know, Paul might have got let loose. Barnabas might not have ever made it out of there. But because Silas was a Roman citizen, the Bible says that when they found out they were Roman citizens, they left. They got to go free. 
So you see why God brings these connections into our life. First of all, because uh, some things are, are to be to, for us to, to begin and Him to finish. And then some is because we can't do it with the ones we were connected to. We can only do it with the ones He's bringing into this connection. There are some people in my life that I'm still connected to. There are some people in my life that I've been connected to. And though they taught me tons of stuff. They taught me great stuff. But you know what? There's some people in my life now that I'm connected to uh, that represent verse 6. I'm confident of this very thing. That he that started that work is doing it now. Is it, and a lot of times we look back on, on how, and I hear this. I hear this at, at our old church. I wish that we had it like it used to be. That church closed. We may not put this one online. That church closed. You can't, why would you wish for something that didn't make it? Why would you want that again? I'm confident that he takes those things that happened then, he makes and molds you into something more, and I'm confident for this very thing, that he that began that work is completing the work. He didn't complete it way back here 15 years ago. He began it 15 years ago. And that's the joy that we have in the connections that we make and the connections that we have that just so we find ourselves today at Pine Forest in a whole new connection, it's not, this is something that he's continuing and not beginning. It's something that he's continuing and not beginning. So that's the impact that we have and we're not going to make it any farther. Not going to make it any farther. As I guess Miss Marie comes and, and Brother Chris comes. I will tell you that what happened in that, in that jail was that he met several people there. He met Lydia, the seller of purple, stayed in her house. And as he walked around ministering, preaching, and, and teaching, he ran into a demon-possessed slave girl. And you know what? She was saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. And I want to get this point out today if we, can get, if we can get this out too. And Paul turns around and he rebukes that spirit, casts that spirit out. A couple of things I see there. One is, you're not always under attack. You're not always, everything that happens to you is not an attack of the enemy. Not always an attack. The Bible didn't say that Paul and Silas walked around this town and a demon-possessed woman attacked them. The Bible says that Paul and Silas walked around this town ministering and came upon up upon a demon-possessed slave girl and cast that out. It wasn't that the enemy attacked you. You got it his way. You walked up on him. You're not weak. You're not weak in the fight, weak in the battle. He may use you to cast it out. And you know what the good thing about it is? Hear me close. If you've got a loved one uh, that is dealing with something... That lady, that demon slave girl didn't have to know who Christ was before she was delivered. He spoke to the thing that was oppressing her and cast it out. And then she came. She knew that he was the servant of the high God because you know how she knew? Because even the demons know and they tremble. <coughs> Did not the demoniac say, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing with us? Cast us into the swine. The man didn't say that, the demon did. The demon in the woman said, these are the servants of the Most High God, not the girl. Some addictions, some things that are going on in our lives, some 
whatever they may be, whether uh, some of those things is a is a demonic influence on your life, and they can be cast out. That was kind of like what Zena said. I can lay my hand on them while I sleep and pray for them. They can be cast out in those ways if you speak to that spirit. And not to that person. When you speak to that person, you offend that person, you callous that person, you harden that person. They don't want to have anything else to do with you because every time I see you, all you do is fuss. So you rebuke the spirit of that. Rebuke the spirit of that. The main thing is, and we're, <laughs> the main thing is, and then there was the jailer. This is how we are in a fellowship of the gospel. Earthquakes come, chains are loosed. Chains are loosed so that you can pull them off. Yeah. Because if, if you don't have anything to do with it, you don't appreciate it. If, if he just if he come and bailed you out of every little thing you went through, he would just be your, your Santa Claus. Yeah. So the chains are loosed and they take them off. Do your part. Do your part. The doors are open. You got to get up and walk through them. But what Paul said really got my attention was the jailer said, you can run, but I can't. Pulls the sword out. You can hide, but I can't. You can live, but I can't. What must I do to be saved? And Paul said, oh, when, when I heard that, the fellowship of the gospel said, hey, this is how you can be saved. Put your sword down. Look, we're all here. We're not going anywhere. Connection. I don't know who, I don't know if the whole jailer stayed or not, but I know that Paul, Luke, uh, and, and the four, it was Timothy and Silas stayed. I know that they stayed. And I know that they stayed. And you know what? It wasn't Paul's message that freed them out of that. It wasn't his methods. The Bible says that when chains got loosed, when doors got opened, and when lives got changed, it didn't happen during the preaching, it happened during the worship. Yeah. That's when it happened. So we got a little bit backwards here, you, like we started at in the beginning. You come here expecting to hear some encouraging and some help and some hope from me, the pastor, the Word of God. But I want to tell you something. If you really want change, bro, he sang about it in the worship service today. It's in worship to Him, not worship to me. Amen. It's not in what I say and what I can do. If you come in here, He inhabits the praise of your people and you give Him proper worship that He's due. It's in the worship service when the life's changed. Not in the altar call, in the worship service. That's when it happens. That's when the anointing falls. That's when he's welcomed in as king. That's when it happens. It's okay in the altar call. It's okay in the preaching. But I'm going to tell you, there's something that will happen in the worship service that will set you free. That will set you free. Amen. Let's all stand. Hymn number 180. Amen. Amen.